0: Blog Talk Radio. And we want to invite in our listening audience, who are tuning in to us on Blog Talk Radio. We're thankful for you to join us here at Faith Baptist Church, and all that are in here. I'm glad they're here as well. And so we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 21 this morning. And and before we went live, I was just describing how we'd come out of Jer- Jericho. Jesus had healed blind Bartimaeus, and Zacchaeus had climbed up in a tree. To see Jesus out of curiosity's sake But when Jesus saw him He called him by name and said come down And it was in the process of that coming down That Zacchaeus He trusted Christ He believed he was he was the Savior He was the Redeemer How did he know his name? He, he spoke right to him And he came down And you could see the change was made in him Because immediately he wanted to restore everything he'd taken He wanted to restore some of it fourfold And uh, Jesus went to eat with him It was after that that he left And he went further south down toward Jerusalem And getting at the base of the Mount of Olives He turned into his friend's home Of Mary and Martha and Lazarus A place of comfort where he stayed When he was close to Jerusalem He had no home of his own He had nothing of his own he had, no, had no possessions of his own and, and so he turned in there With his friends And, and much like he'd done before Except as we talked about last, last time it was much love poured out on Jesus there at his friend's home, uh, as we talked about. Martha, she she showed her love for Jesus. She expressed her love for Jesus uh, in the way that she knew how to. She prepared a a, a big meal for him. She 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 uh, went through all. The, and this course is not like today. She didn't go to the freezer and get something out and thaw it out and, and cook it in the oven. Uh, she had to do everything by hand. I'm not picking on you when I said that. <laughs> you looked at me. No, I'm saying there was no microwave. There's, I mean, everything had to be done over a fire. Everything had to be done the hard way. And she gave everything she had and, and poured all her heart into it to, to do something good for Jesus. And then you had Lazarus. And what did he do? He sat around a table. This is Lazarus who had been resurrected from the dead. And people came from near and far to sit around that table just to see him, just to hear him talk. And, 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 and realize that this was a real miracle, that this man had really been raised from the dead. And, of course, Jesus is there. He's right there with him, and so the story gets told from both perspectives, and, and, and it's just a wonderful time of remembering what Christ had done and, and, uh, and relishing in that miracle that had taken place. And so Lazarus loved on Jesus by giving testimony to the power of resurrection and, and the love that he had for him. And then there was Mary, and like I said, Mary couldn't, Mary couldn't do a lot. She wasn't, evidently wasn't a cook. And uh, as we saw last time, she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha got upset because she wasn't in there helping her. But that didn't happen this time. Mary looked around and said, well, I, I really don't have much help in the kitchen, and I'm not going to elbow my way up next to the men and try to get in on that discussion. So she sat and thought on it, and she remembered that she had that pound of spikenard hidden in her things in the house, and she went and got the most precious thing that she had. And she came in and she poured it out all over his feet. And in doing so, she showed that she believed that he was the Savior, that he came and he was about to die. And She knew that. Although the disciples around him did not understand that. It's amazing to me. They walked with him for three three years and they didn't understand it and she understood it clearly. I mean, they, they thought he was fixing to be king. They thought it was fixing to happen. And that's what we're going to look at today. That's where we're headed today. But you remember, uh, Salome, James and John's mother, she came to Jesus on the way. And she said, Jesus, please grant this one thing for me. Please do this one thing for me. And it was his, it was Jesus' aunt. I mean, she's trying to play on his his. His sensibilities, please, Jesus, please, let my son, one son sit on your right hand, one set sit on your left in your kingdom. Again, they didn't see what was about to happen. They couldn't see the cross. All they saw was a throne. And so, so we find ourselves here. The next day, Jesus is getting up the next day and about to go toward Jerusalem. And that's where we find ourselves today. So let's look in the Bible here. We're going to read it, and then we'll go back and we'll... We'll uh, take a, a closer look. Beginning there, chapter 21 of Matthew, verse 1 and following. We'll read down to verse 11. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage uh, unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Je- then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of, spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and the colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put them put on them their clothes and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the tree and strewed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before your throne again, Father, and we we plead for Holy Ghost power, Lord, this morning. Father, we need to hear from you. Our tanks are empty, Father. We need to be filled. Lord, we pray for the power of the Holy Ghost, that, that, Lord, that he might shed abroad the truth of the Word of God in our spirits this morning. Revive us, Lord. Renew us, Father. Give us the answers we seek. Father, we pray, Lord, that you, you, you deal with the burdens we carry, Lord, and you, you meet the needs that we have. Father, we just pray for the power of God to be felt here this morning. We pray for the truth to come forth. Touch these lips of clay and use me. Father, know I know, you, I know that there's nothing good in me but Jesus. Now I pray, Father, you forgive my sins and fill me with your power now. Lord, please use me for your glory. In Christ's name, I pray. Touch each heart, Lord, both in this room. Lord, and those that are listening on on the Internet, Father, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as we look at this, I want us to turn over, first of all, real quickly to John. We're just going to see a different gospel account of it. And I just, just simply to point something out, I just want you to see that it's there. So when does this happen? This happens on the next day. Matthew doesn't tell us that it happened on the very next day. But... We'll see that it does because this is where we were last week. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. We'll just read down to verse 12. John twelve nine through 12. <coughs> All right, so right after Jesus, the spikenard was poured on Jesus' feet and, and, and Judas made his think about how they could have fed the poor and everything, verse 9 says, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. And we talked about that. That was a big thing. I mean, we're talking about more people than you can even imagine came out to see him. But the Bible says in verse 10, look at this, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. They wanted to kill Lazarus. Why? Because he had been raised from the dead. It made him so mad he came back that they wanted to kill him again. Because by the reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. That right there I'll tell you something. The more you're a witness for the Lord, the more the world's going to hate you. The more you stand up for Christ, the more you witness for Christ, the more the devil's going to want shut to you, shut your mouth. And and a lot of the reasons that we face the burdens we face in this world today is because we still stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. But like I was telling a friend here this morning, listen, the Bible says in this world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's what the Bible says. And we ought not try to shy away from it. I, 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 that's why I I rebuke that prosperity gospel every time I hear it because God didn't intend for me to live like a king down here. If he did, he'd have done poured all the king riches on me, but he hadn't. Evidently, he doesn't want me to, and that's okay. I'm all right with that. But let's keep looking here. All right, so they were mad because a lot of people had believed on Lazarus. And so now you see verse 12 on the next day. Much people that were come to the feast when they heard that that Jesus... Was coming to Jerusalem All right, So that's going to get into our story Alright so let's turn back But I just wanted you to see that it was on the very next day So on the next day How far are they away from Jerusalem? Anybody know? I can tell you 1.6 miles That's not very far You can see it from here It wasn't far at all So that's how far this triumphant entry lasts. 1.6 miles Alright so They head out that morning there are multitudes, as it said, who've gathered because Jesus is there. They've come to see him. So Jesus gets up, and I want, i just want to talk to you. I, I, let's picture Jesus gets up. He—he—he he, he goes in the—he—he he goes to the basin. He washes his face, he freshens himself, he gets ready for the day. He steps out into the light of day, and all those people are there waiting on him. And they begin. He—he he stands around, and what does he do immediately? He—he. He, he asked his disciples, two of them. He said, "He said, go over there, and that, and I, he pointed in a direction. And I'm assuming there were houses over in the direction he was pointing. And he said, go over there. He said, and you're going to find, you're going to find a donkey tied up over there. And, the, and that donkey, that, that that Jenny, she's got a little colt with her. He said, go over there and get him. And if somebody says something to you, you tell him, hey, I need him. And so that's what they did." They went over there and they got the they got the colt. And uh so they brought it back to him. And what do they do? They start piling their clothes. The disciples pile their clothes up on top of the colt, and they put Jesus on the colt. The disciples are around Jesus. They're walking toward toward Jerusalem, and the people are all are, are all shouting praises to Jesus. Why? Because they don't know what's about to happen they are all confused but and, and, I, and the question is run through my mind well then why is Jesus doing this because he's using their confusion to teach them something he's using their confusion to paint a a a visual sermon for them all right I want you to understand something up to this point what's happened every time Jesus has done a miracle he said don't don't you don't have to go tell everybody I did this you know, it always seemed odd that he would do that. Why would he say, Don't tell anybody I did this? He said, My hour has not come. Well, guess what? The alarm just went off. His hour is now come. He didn't want people to talk about him being the king. He didn't want people to he he, he didn't come blowing horns and all that. He came in meekness, he came in humility. He came not to those who had the most and had the best and had the power and the influence and the wealth and all that. No, he went to the bums and the hookers and the drug addicts and the drunks. He went to those who, were, who had made an absolute mess of their life, who had wasted their life. He went to those who had nothing to offer. He went to those who nobody wanted to touch like the lepers. He went to those who were the outcasts of this world, the off-scouring of this world, as the Bible puts it. And if you don't know what off scouring is, I'll tell you it's 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 what cows get when they get galled at scours, the filth of this world. That's who Jesus went to. Why? Why would he go to them? Because they had needs. He had. They had needs. Those who have so much don't even realize they have a need. I told I told a preacher friend of mine this last week. That, uh, about about one time when when uh we were outdoor knocking, and I carried folks from the church over to Oak Creek. I don't know how many of you were there when we went to Oak Creek. That's the biggest nicest neighborhood in Paris, or one of them. I took them out there for one reason. I wanted them to see what would happen. and we went began to knock on doors out there. And you know what we got told? Hey, I got this house. I got this nice vehicle. I got this nice boat in my driveway. I got everything I need. What I need Jesus for? Why didn't Jesus go to the rich and wealthy? Because they didn't need him. They thought they had him. They thought they had everything they needed. They, hey listen, the, they which are well don't need his physician. It's those that are sick. He went to those that were sick. Listen to me. I was sin sick. I was rotten to the core. I was worth nothing when he came to me. Amen. I didn't find him. People say, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. You didn't know what you were looking for. He found you. Amen. He came to you. Amen. I'm, I'm getting off track. I'm going to get back to my message. But anyway, so he's going into town, and they're taking the palm leaves off of the trees and breaking them off, and they're throwing them in the road in front of him. And they're taking their outer garments off and they're throwing them down in front of the the donkey as it's traveling down the road. But I want you to see, number one, I want you to see by this, again, up to this point, he didn't want anybody to tell him who he really was. He, He shied away from proclaiming himself to be God. But by entering this way, listen to me, by entering this way, he was proclaiming himself to be king. They wanted him to be king, and he was saying to them, you don't see it now, but I am. You won't see it, but I really am. Listen, how did he come as a king? Well, first of all, what did he do? He sent two heralds before him. That's what a king would do. He'd send two heralds before him. He sent two disciples. The Bible doesn't say who the two disciples were, but he sent those two disciples, those heralds ahead of him, to go and get that donkey. All right? That was the mandate that was sent out from the king. Go and get that for me. And again, when the donkey was brought, what did they do? His servants, they saddled the donkey. They laid their coats over it to make a suitable seat for him. And I want you to understand the crowd that was there that day. History, and of course the Bible doesn't tell us, but there's history accounts. That are recorded that, that estimate that somewhere three thousand plus people who were in that parade. That 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 entry of Christ into Jerusalem. And what were they doing? They were all clapping. They were all cheering. They were all jumping for joy. They were all shouting. They were shouting. They were shouting. Hosanna! Hosanna! You said, what does Hosanna mean? It means save, please, save us save us, please. He, they thought he was going to conquer. They thought he was going to come in. They thought he might come in and, and, and take and take Pontius Pilate uh, captive because he didn't have many guards there at that time. They could have, they could have took those 3,000 people and stormed the gates and, and took Pilate captive. They could, have, they could have gone in and rounded up all the Roman soldiers and had them executed, and they could have taken the kingdom right then and set it up, and that's in their mind. That's what they thought was going to happen. Can I say something to you this morning? There's a lot of people who take Jesus for something he's not. Jesus, listen to me. They say, you know, oh, I, you know, I've I've talked to people who don't understand salvation. They think Jesus came to make them healthy.
1: They think
0: Jesus came to make them wealthy. They if they think Jesus came so they could have nice things or, or that their 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 life would be super. I mean, they, they think that it, it's going to make them popular. It's going to make them uh, famous or whatever. They think Jesus can do all these things. And, and listen, the Benny Hens of this world, I guess he has. But not it wasn't him. They were riding on his name. They, it wasn't Christ who done it. It's not the power of Christ there. There's a lot of charlatans who name the name of Jesus. They don't understand him. There's a lot of fakes and phonies who make a lot of money off his name, but they don't understand him. And there were a lot of people here who were shouting for joy who less than a week later shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Same crowd. Same crowd. Second thing I want you to see, not only did he come in claiming to be king, but he came in showing them what would be. And in a sense, showing them what could have been if it had been his will. He could have rode in, no problem, and done all those things that I said. He could have came in and taken over if he'd have wanted to, but he came in showing them what will be. I want to I want to tell you he's it's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen when he comes back. Oh, it was a ridiculous foreshadowing because again, instead of instead of the royal entry he's going to have someday, I mean he had dirty fisher gar- fishermen's garments thrown in the road. that probably carried a handful i mean a basket full of fish just an hour before i mean there was nothing glorious about his entry by earthly standards i want you to understand that let's look over in revelation turn to revelation chapter 19 revelation chapter 19 Again, what he's doing, riding this donkey, he's fulfilling scripture. He's fulfilling a prophecy. And we'll see that in just a few minutes. But he's showing them what will be. Revelation 19, 11. John said, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Not a donkey, but a white horse. And he sat upon him, He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him. Upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves down under the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the flake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with a sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. What a day that's going to be. You see, this is a contrast. It's a contrast because this time he did not come as a conquering king this time he did not come to put down his enemies. that's what they expected, but no not this time, but again he showed them if I wanted to, all I'd have to do is do it. Right. Yep. amen you see his his in in this instance, instead of all the glory that the Bible describes here in Revelation. No, he just has his disciples as his attendants around him. They took care of him. Fishermen, peasants, they became noblemen, all the while remaining fishermen and peasants. Think about this. They're walking in a processional that mirrors a processional that's going to happen someday when Christ returns. And even though they're just walking in their old fisherman garments and their old stinky clothes and whatever worn out, wore to the bone thread there. Yet they're walking with the Son of God. They're walking with God incarnate. They're walking. Even though on the outside all the world can see is the outward appearance. On the inside there are noblemen walking beside a king. And my friends, you and I are doing the very same thing down here. It was a kingdom where laws are written on hearts, not on paper. You see, when I got saved, did nobody have to tell me what wrong was. I know what wrong is. Amen? It's written on my heart. When I see somebody who is desperately in need of something, nobody has to tell me what to do. God does. It's written on my heart. Yesterday, I left and went to work. I went in the store, and I was buying my breakfast. My heart was very, very heavy for something totally different. And I went in that store, and I was just paying out. And, and as I was paying out, the man was paying ahead of me. He turned around to everybody in the store, and he said, hey. He said, the girl down here at the bank, it's my sister-in-law. She was in a bad accident yesterday. So she broke her back three places. Don't know if she's going to make it or not. So appreciate it if y'all would pray. And everybody in that store turned around and said, We'll pray for you. And I just felt God in that room. I almost got choked up right then and there. And I realized everybody in here believes. We could have church right here. We could get a hold of God right here. And the man already walked out the door from when I was thinking that, and I paid for my things and I walked out and I caught him and I said, Hey man, I'm a preacher. I said, Let me pray for you before you leave. And right there at the gas pump I put my hand on his shoulder and he and I went to the throne of grace and I got choked up praying for him and God was moving there. Listen to me. The law of God written on our hearts. We're here to be servants of the Most High God. We're here to be servants of the King of kings and Lord of lords, noblemen walking on this earth though not dressed as such. You know, I said the laws are written on the hearts. When those two disciples were sent out to get that little donkey, the owner of the colt didn't say, Hey, what do you want my donkey? Hey, hey, bring it back. Hey, come here. No, he didn't do that. What did he say? Tell them the Lord hath need of him. And what did they do? They gave him gladly. Why? Because they knew the Lord. I don't know who they are. Scripture doesn't tell us who they are, doesn't tell us their name, doesn't say anything about them. But I know this they knew the Lord. Because when they brought up, hey, the Lord has need of him, immediately they were willing to give the donkey. They said, hey, take him. Take him. Why? Because we want to do something for the Lord. This is our opportunity to be a blessing for the Lord, and we want to give. The people gladly took off their garments and laid their garments down the road for the donkeys to step on as a red carpet as a royal carpet for him to walk through. Even though they were worn out in stinky clothes, it didn't matter. They laid out what they had. They gave of themselves. They gave of what they had for the glory of God. Palm branches, they weren't anything glorious, but they were what was close at hand. They weren't looking for something miraculous. They got what was close at hand, and they used what was close at hand for the Lord Jesus. You see, his, they, they didn't understand what was going on. They, couldn't, they really couldn't grasp it all, but understand something. His kingdom is not of this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you'll turn over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I said, His kingdom is not of this world. And I, I, this, this scripture immediately came to mind as I was putting a message together this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 and following, where, where Paul said, For God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things. Base, you know what that means? That means lowly. These things would nobody else use. God uses things nobody else would use. And things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not, which are nothing, to bring to nothing or naught. The things that are. God's incredibly, amazingly wise and powerful. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That's the key to it. We're not to glory. The glory belongs to God. But of him are ye made in Christ Jesus, who is of God, is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Another thing about his coming in this,
1: in this manner
0: that he came into Jerusalem, you notice this, he came without armed force. He was a king and a triumphant entry into the city. But he didn't have a single soldier. You know why? He's Prince of Peace. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. He walked right in and he marched right into the temple. And we'll see next week what he does. But I think I can go ahead and tell you. He goes in there and he sets things straight. And he runs out to money changers. Listen, he's, he's going to go in with force. And I noticed that the, that the way he talks to the money changers, he talks to them with a fury in his voice. But I'll notice something else about Jesus.
1: <clears throat> in, all
0: of his, in, in all of his glory and all of his power and all of this, you see something else. And this is something that you might never see unless you just happen to think about it. Such, it's such a minute detail. It really it shouldn't even matter in the whole story. But I see my tender-hearted Savior. When it came down to the donkey... I want you to notice in the story. Turn back to Matthew. I want you to see it. Matthew 21, verse 2. Saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, or go into that village right over there, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. So it wasn't just a colt sitting there tied up. It was a mother and a colt. The other the other gospels don't record that. This is the only, Matthew's the only one that records that. But I want you to see how this kingdom is one in which all creatures are thoughtfully considered, all creatures. Now, and I, I only show you this to show you God's love and care for you. Jesus cared enough about that donkey that he didn't just take the foal. He brought the mother, too. Why? Because in all that was about to take place, Jesus didn't want that little donkey fretting over, where's mama? He didn't want that mama back there fretting over, where's my baby? So he took mama alongside. That's his care for us. That shows you how a caring Savior we have. (sighs) I want to turn our attention to the cult just for a second What was he? I heard a preacher preach on this one time In Texarkana A long, long time ago He talked about that little donkey That little donkey Sitting there tied up He don't know what his future holds He don't know what his purpose in life is He's just a little old donkey He ain't got a clue He don't know nothing He's still young He he, ain't got no idea what he's to be I mean, he was born a a beast of burden. He's seen the other donkeys have to go out and plow in the field, and that's his life. He knows that as soon as I grow up and get strong enough, they'll lead me out there and hitch me to that plow, and that'll be my life, busting up rocks out of this old soil and trying to make a place where they can grow some grapes or figs or olives or something. He wasn't a horse. I mean, horses are pampered and brushed and and loved and and petted. No, he's just an old working donkey. And again, like I said, he was very young. He didn't know his purpose in life. But then he heard these words, The Lord hath need of them. The Lord hath need of them. Can I ask you a question? What plans does God have for you? The Lord hath need of them. We're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. If if the word of God is going to get out, it's going to come through God's people. He put us here for that purpose. The Lord hath need of them. And, and I and I know that kind of contradicts what I've said before. God doesn't need you. I, I, when I say that, I mean we shouldn't go around with a swollen head to think that if, if if we didn't exist, God couldn't make it without us because He would. But what a wonderful world it is that we live in. That God has need of us. God can use us. God can take us and do something great with us. God can take a little old donkey that had no purpose other than to pull a plow, and God takes him. I want you to look over Romans 8, 28 before we get done. Romans 8, 28. And I know you know it, but i just like to look at it because it reminds me so much of that God has a plan for us. The Bible says, and we know. I like that. I'm glad he doesn't say we hope or we think or we feel and we know that all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the terrible, the joyous, the anxious, the the trying, all of it, all things work together for good to them that love God. It doesn't work together for the one that doesn't know God doesn't work to the one who hates God. doesn't work good for the one who's kind of, eh, whatever about God. No, to the one who loves God. All things work together for good. Why? Because God is working out a plan. To them who are the called according, that's the key right here, according to his purpose. You see, unless I'm submitted to God, I'm not going to know what my purpose is. Unless I'm submitted to God, I'm not going to fulfill my purpose. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss the blessing of being in God's hand and God using me effectively to to do something for the glory of his kingdom somewhere. And I think about that little donkey, and I know he didn't have a mind like a human, but I put myself, I think about that little donkey, I think about him walking walking slowly down that trail toward Jerusalem with Jesus on his back looking over at his mama and her looking at him, and I'm carrying the master. I'm bearing Jesus. I never dreamed I'd be where I am, but I'm carrying Jesus to Jerusalem. What a joy. What a joy. That something so common and unusual, ordinary was used for such a great thing. What plans does God have for you? I like it. It says, it says for whom he did 4 God had a plan. God knew me before I ever knew him. God knew me. For whom he did 4 he also did predestinate. For he had a plan, for he knew me. I mean, for, I say for he knew me. For I knew him, he had a plan for me because he knew I would know him eventually. He knew I would come to him. He, had a, he did predestinate to be conformed You see that? Conformed to the image of his son. The more I walk with Jesus, the more I talk with Jesus, the more I love Jesus, the more I let Jesus' words into my heart, the more I put Jesus' words into action, the more I become like Jesus, the more the world sees Jesus in me, the more power and effectiveness I have in this life for God. Conformed to the image of his son. You know, we pour ice, we can pour water into any ice tray. It doesn't matter what the shape is. Maybe it's a rectangle, maybe it's round, maybe it's a bug, maybe it's whatever. They got all kinds. But whatever shape you pour it into, that's what it's conformed into. You see, but it has to be liquid before it can ever conform. And you and I, if we're rigid and stiff and say, God, you're not going to do anything with my life. I'm doing what I want to. This is my life, and I'll do what I want to. Then God's never going to be able to do anything with you. You've got to be willing to be movable and changeable. Whatever he wants from you. You've got to be willing to lay yourself down and say, Lord, I'm nothing without you. Take me and put me into whatever mold you want me to. And he says, I just want you to be like Jesus. I just want you to I want you to talk like Jesus. I want you to walk like Jesus. I want you to bear him wherever you go. The Bible says we bear about the the, the body of the Lord Jesus, we are to carry about, carry wherever we go, we, we, in us, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that story in us. Those are believers. And everywhere we go, we're to bear that. And it says, moreover, whom he did. Oh, I didn't finish that. He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? There's a reason that he might be the firstborn among many brethren so that people would be saved because it's our testimony. And our testimony paired with the gospel, that's what he wants put out there. That's what he wants sent forth from us. What shall we say then to these things? Oh, I skipped a verse. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, the ones he had a plan for, he also called. He drew us to salvation. And whom He called, He also justified, which means we are free from sin. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Them He put His power on. Them he he, he he gave the power to be what He wanted them to be and took them home to glory. And what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I know the devil's stirring in this world. I know he's screaming and kicking with everything he's got, but his time is short. That's why he knows his time is short. I thank God that if I walk with Christ and I talk with Christ, and again, like I said, I'm in this bubble of grace in the middle of this chaos. I'm in the middle of peace in the middle of chaos. Why? Because I have the Prince of Peace alive and living and, and, and making himself real and present in my life every single day. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has need us. Let's be what he wants us to be. I came across this little poem from Spurgeon. He said, he comes to wipe your tears away. No, it's not a poem at all. It's just a saying. He said, he comes to wipe your tears away, not to make them flow. He comes to lift you from your dumb hills and set you upon his throne, to fetch you from your dungeons and make you leap in liberty. He can do what no other other can do. And he chooses to use those of us that no man would ever look at us and say they can be of use. Just as he chose David, wasn't the one? It certainly wasn't the ones that Samuel thought were going to be the the king of Israel. No, it was the one that no one else would have chosen. God can use you. You say, "Why me? I'm nothing. I never amount to anything." Oh, that's what makes you fit. Because you can't do anything on your own. You need God, but with God, all things are possible. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the message. I thank you for the word. Lord, help us to see daily that, Lord, you take ordinary things and do extraordinary things. Lord, you take us as people that, that can't do anything on our own. You can do supernatural things through us. You can use us to, to touch others in ways that we don't even realize, don't even understand. Father, I, I just I just want to bury you just like that donkey did. I just want I just want to carry you through this world and others see who you are. That's what I want to do. Father, use me. If you'll use a donkey, use me. Lord, I know. I know you will if I simply put myself in your hand. Lord, help me just submit myself to you daily. Father, that's my prayer for everyone under the sound of my voice, that we'll submit ourselves daily. Lord, that we'll not look at it like some impossible thing as we look at the rest of the remainder of our life and think there's no way I could do that and take it one day at a time. Submit ourselves today. Get up tomorrow and submit ourselves again. Put ourselves under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ as our only king. And serve him with all that's in us Father I pray for the one that's nearest hell today I pray Lord for their soul salvation I pray Lord they realize their way is wrong Their way is only going to take them to hell Lord and they turn from their own way And turn to Christ And believe and be born again Have their sins washed away Lord I pray for that right now Lord that wherever they're at They realize Lord that the only thing they can do Is is to, is to admit that they, they can't do anything But believe Father, I pray folks to be saved today. Lord, I pray for the one who's who's backslidden and heart and cold. I pray, Father, for them. Lord, I pray that they they realize that you love them and you've not, you've not ever given up on them. And if they turn around, you've been waiting all along with open arms. Father, I pray, Lord, that they they turn and embrace you, Lord, and begin to walk with you again as they once did. Or, Lord, maybe they never learned how to walk. Teach them to walk. Father, use us. Lord, help us to see around us others who have great need, and Lord, help us to to seek those those needs be met through us if they can be. Father, I just pray, bless us now, bless each and every one who's come to come to hear the word of God, and Lord, who's tuned in to hear it. Father, I pray your your blessing be on them now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.